I'm here. I was trying not to choke on a peanut. <laughs> Too much information. I was having a snicker bar. Y'all don't want me hangry on the radio. It would be not a pretty sight, and I get hangry when I don't eat. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. You know what? We'll be a little looser on the phones today, so y'all can call in about stuff. 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. I I meant to, in the last segment, uh, mention something else out of Ukraine. I do want to move on. We'll get back to it here in a little while, and I'm happy to take your questions on it. Uh, my buddy Matt, who we have not gotten together for a beer in years and need to, and you're listening right now. I know it because you just emailed me and we're going to have to rectify the situation, reminded me that I, I needed to mention the ghost of Kiev, and I fell, uh, fell negligent, fell short in my duties. He's the first ace of the 21st century. An ace is a fighter pilot with five kills. And the ghost of Kiev, they don't know who the pilot is. He is flying over Kiev in a MiG-29, Gunning down the Russians, he took out six Russian fighter jets himself yesterday. They call it the Ghost of Kiev. He's a hero. You know, the Russians captured the Ukrainian uh, international airport in Kiev. The Ukrainians were able to take it back Basic Now, I need to put this in perspective for you because this is actually kind of big. Basic combat infantry from Ukraine were able to retake the airport from Russian paramilitary forces. Like the most highly trained Russian forces fell to the least trained Ukrainian forces. Now, the Russians have since, it appears, taken the airport back. But that was kind of big. The Russians are getting far more resistance than they thought. On top of that, Joe Biden is getting some excuses that he didn't expect to get. This is somewhat – in my mind, it's kind of shameful that the media is running these sorts of pieces. Now, we know they're going to run these sorts of pieces. We shouldn't be surprised at it, but the brazenness of it actually does kind of surprise me with some of what they're doing. This is from the Washington Post. U.S. economy appeared ready to surge, but Russia's invasion of Ukraine could send shockwaves. Subtitle, energy prices have already jumped, and the stock market is spiking up and down while policymakers look for ways to blunt the fallout. A few weeks ago, the coronavirus is fading Omicron variant, falling gas prices, and a newly buoyant stock market set the table for what many felt could be a surging U.S. economy in 2022. But those rosy scenarios are suddenly in doubt. As rampant geopolitical uncertainty has helped drive up energy prices and send global markets on a roller coaster ride, these changes could give many consumers and businesses pause and put more pressure on Washington leaders to respond, even though it is unclear how exactly they will intervene. You got that? It's not Joe Biden's fault. It's not his fault. It's it's Russia's fault. Blame the Russians, not Joe. Everything was hunky-dory until yesterday. 
day before yesterday. Everything was fine. It's all Joe Biden's. He's poor Joe. It's not his fault. It's all Vladimir Putin's fault. Well, except Rashida Tlaib, who's going to give a, give the uh, post State of the Union response from the left. She's admitting gas prices were already up. One, I, you know, just want to be careful. There's not a war. Uh, we, our country is. Um, we're obviously you're going to continue hearing the president's response uh, more and more as the as the days go by, and probably through his State of the Union uh, address, um, I believe next week. But one of the things that we can do is obviously, you know, one of the things that President Biden talked about early, early on is truly investigating whether or not these increases are justifiable. What I mean by that uh, is that sometimes I'm, you know, um, uh, pushing back on this narrative that, oh, because something is happening, this is why the gas prices, the gas prices were going up prior to what is happening in Ukraine. Yes, they were. But you notice, he, even Joe Biden yesterday or David, whenever it was he addressed the nation, it was like, oh, it's those oil companies, the greedy oil companies. It's them. They're to blame. I thought now suddenly it's the Russians to blame. They're always looking for somebody to blame so they don't have to take responsibility for their policy actions. Uh, frustrating. All right, to the phone. Sam, I want to go to you next before I move on. Welcome. How are you? Hi there. Hello? Hi, Sam. Hi. Um, I had a question for you. Um, in all of the discussions about defunding or uh, canceling the student debt, I never hear the opposition refer to it as a, a bank bailout because essentially we're just paying off all of these loans so the banks are not held out for these people that can't pay these loans, regardless of whose fault it was that they took more debt than they can afford and everything. They've already weighed it so heavily against the borrowers where you can't cancel it and bankruptcy and everything else, but yet the banks still want their money, so our government is just bailing them out again. I just wondered what your thoughts on why we never hear it phrased like that from anybody. You know, that, that's a good that's a good point. Now, part of it, I think, is because the way Biden and the Democrats have planned to structure it through an executive action is that it would only be loans made through the federal government, um, not the the loans made through private banks. Now, of course, in some cases, private banks are the ones that the government routes through, but not in every case. Uh, and so the ones that they were going to go for forward with were the ones that the government itself were in complete control of. But at the same time, uh, they were talking about subsidized loans and taking care of those, and those go through certain lenders as well. So, yeah, maybe we should be talking about a bank bailout instead of just a, a student bailout because it's a fair point. You're making sure the banks get all their money now. It's not like we're going to take over the payments for the kids. No, we're just going to throw money at the problem. So that's going to be an issue. Well, there's another issue out there. Katanji Brown-Jackson is the president's Supreme Court nominee. Now, you should know that uh, the president's going to address the nation at 2 o'clock. I have no plans. We have heard enough from Joe Biden this week in my mind, and I have no plans of covering it. If he takes questions from the press, which he won't do, I'll cover that, but he's not going to do it. If he does, I will, but he's not. Maybe he'll surprise me now. 
Well, we've kind of heard enough from him. He This is going to be historic. They're making a big deal of it. Uh, the first black woman on the Supreme Court, she will be uh, – it'll be 5'4", male, female on the Supreme Court for the first time ever. I mean, for perspective, you go back to 1998, it was one woman, um, which is pretty remarkable. Sandra Day O'Connor was there from 1981 until I think Ginsburg in 98. Pretty remarkable. And um, then there were two. And then you got Sotomayor. And then you got Kagan. But uh, Sandra Day O'Connor stepped down, had stepped down. So it remained uh, two women. And then you got Amy Coney Barrett brought you to three. Now Katenji Brown-Jackson gets you to four. And she'll be the second, uh, third black member of the Supreme Court, first black female member of the Supreme Court. There will be two black members on the Supreme Court concurrently for the first time ever. So, yep, uh, there there are all sorts of the, these things. Ah, yes, I, I, I am getting a note that my flagship station will be covering Joe Biden's speech. Uh, I, I will not mention that I have a live stream available so y'all can avoid listening to him. <laughs> I get angry hate mail from the boss. Nonetheless, uh, he will address the nation here in a little while. Now, you need to know, let me let me give the background on Katinja, uh Brown-Jackson. She got through to the D.C. Circuit. That is kind of the mini Supreme Court. So if you sue the federal government, you sue them in Washington, D.C. And so all of the cases go to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. It's like a mini Supreme Court. Brett Kavanaugh was there. Uh, John Roberts was there. Clarence Thomas was there. Merrick Garland was there. I think Stephen Breyer was there. I think. Um, basically, it's the steppy considered the grooming ground for the Supreme Court. And so now Katanji uh, Brown-Jackson is there. She is a Harvard grad, which makes the Supreme Court so intellectually and academically diverse. She is a progressive Although not as progressive as some on the left want her to be, particularly on corporate and union issues, she was a public defender, which I think is actually kind of neat. And I want to talk about that for a minute. But, I mean, she'll be a run-of-the-mill progressive. Now, she does have a an indirect relationship with the former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. Uh, I actually said it was Paul Ryan's wife's brother's wife. That's not actually true. Okay, are, are you ready for this one? It's Paul Ryan's wife's brother's brother's wife. You got that? So it's Paul Ryan's wife's brother. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Paul Ryan's wife's brother's brother-in-law's wife. So Paul Ryan's wife has a brother. And her brother is married to a woman, and that woman has a brother, and that brother is married to Katanji Brown-Jackson. So there's a, a, a degree of separation there. Apparently, they go to family reunions together. He says uh, she's uh, progressive. She's a very nice person, but she's progressive. I, I want to spend just a moment, though, on this public defender issue. For those of you who don't know, I used to do public defender work. When I was a lawyer, I had to, I had no choice. I hated it, and I had to do it. 
And I'm actually glad. Now, I did not like being forced. I don't like to be forced. You know, I'm that little jerk in college and stuff where you get to college and they make you do mandatory field trips and stuff or mandatory body exercise. And I'm, I'm the one who complains the loudest incessantly because I'm in college. I'm told I'm an independent adult. I should not have to be forced to go do uh, falling group bonding exercises, which a bunch of people I don't know. It's garbage. I don't like it. And when I'm told I can't practice law except I've got to – they're going to violate the 13th Amendment and make me a slave to the criminal justice system and force me to work for free for people, I got a little bit hacked off about it. They ultimately ruled it was unconstitutional. I was not the one who sued. But I'm glad I did it because I saw a segment of humanity that you – in your everyday life, we'll never see. I had a client who was so addicted to drugs, she offered sexual favors to me if I would bring her drugs to jail when I met with her. That's how addicted she was. No, didn't happen. I had a guy who was a drug dealer in a gang who I was able to get out on a probation because it was his first offense. And the DA told me the guy should really go to jail. It was for his own good. But I was his defender, and I defended him, and I got him probation. It was his first time. It was a small amount of marijuana that he sold. He had a gun with him. But I was able to get him probation. I woke up one day about a year after I'd gotten him out of, out of off of it, out of, kept him out of jail, just on probation, woke up one day and on the front page of the local paper, he had been murdered, drug deal gone wrong. That was my client. Had I gone along with what the DA said, he would have still been in jail and would still be alive. I saw parts of humanity you don't want to see. You you think you want you don't want to see it. You don't want to see the woman whose liver is failing because she's been such an addict. She prostituted herself. She stole from her husband, who still loved her, who is now her ex-husband, and all she wanted to do was get out of jail and die sleeping on his couch. She did die. Last job I did as a lawyer. I was already out of the practice and had to come back and help her get out of jail. The DA said there was no reason to keep her in prison. She was going to die. There was nothing they could do, and she died right before Christmas. Had moved back in. Her ex-husband still loved her. Let her move back in. She died. The stuff you see. And so while I know I will probably never agree with this woman's decisions, I got to commend her for having been a public defender because I never wanted to. Y'all, I did not want to do it, and she did. Now, that tells me she's a true-believing progressive, but it also tells me that she's seen a side of humanity that probably no other member of the Supreme Court will have seen, and that at least will in some degree be refreshing because there are parts of society and behaviors of people that you read about and understand in the abstract – And it's a whole different matter when you see it in person. And I have, and she has, and that's a good thing.
Hello there. The phone number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be a part of this year program, which is brought to you this hour by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, they can help your company grow. If you are running into the buzzsaw with banks saying, no, 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 because it's an uncertain economy and we don't know, First Liberty, they've been doing this since the early 90s. They can help you wherever you are in the nation. If your business needs access to big loans, $750,000 and up, buy a building, build a building, something like that, reach out to First Liberty. See if they can help you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you and you for them. FirstLibertyGA.com. Oh, wait. I just – oh, how did, how did I do this? This is not good. There we go. Um, Yarnia Aravina in Svatoslav Furzin. They got married two days ago. Yarnia Areva and Zviasolav Fursen. I'm butchering their names, I'm sure. They got married two days ago. Yeah, they live in Ukraine. Their honeymoon was spent gathering guns and ammo to fight the Russians. What a world upending event, is it not? My goodness. Just the whole world turned upside down by what the Russians are doing and the weakness of an American president who's not doing what he could do. Here's Peter Baker from the New York Times. Well, I think your interview uh, from Kiev was actually very telling. The journalist told you, we feel let down. This is not the maximum. This is not what we thought America was going to do. And we haven't yet heard uh, from uh, the White House aides about how they see this, why they decided not to go further. Obviously, there is European resistance on the issue of cutting Russia off from the SWIFT banks. Why that wasn't worked out in advance is, is a good question. Why they didn't go after Putin personally, maybe they decided that they're going to try to hold that back as if that they still wanted something to hold over him to, to, to try to leverage something. But the question then becomes, you know, if not now, when? If not now, when? When will they take action? The the Western leaders here, y'all, I, I just, I, the amount of disdain I have right now, some days I need a satellite radio show where I can tell you what I really think with all the bad words. The amount of disdain I have for Western leaders who literally wooed Ukraine to come towards us, and they did, and because of it, they got attacked, and the Western leaders are like, ah, ah, not us, not our fault. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, let's go to Lisa next. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, Eric. How are you? I'm good. I First, I wanted to um, comment on your, the, your feeling about going on field trips. I, I thought it was just me, but... I never like going on field trips either. No, I, I, no, part of it, let's be honest here, part of it is I hate people and don't want to be on a bus with them. But, I mean, yeah, I just, just make, I'm a grown-up. Don't make me go do something. You told me I didn't have to when I, I was a grown-up. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, what I was calling about today was I. no one's talking about the Minsk protocol in the Ukraine and uh, parts one and parts two and how that's affecting what's going on right now. 
Right. And I'm just wondering what your take is on that, because I'd love to hear it. Yeah, okay. Um, so <laughs> it, it, it's a little bit complicated here. So the, the Minks Protocol involved uh, settling uh, the issue of Donetsk and Luhansk uh, as two independent areas of Ukraine. Now, you, you got to understand the stage here of what happened with those two areas. Uh, Vladimir Putin actually moved Russian agents into those two regions when he took over Crimea. Uh, so he kind of flooded the zone with people. And then those people caused a rebellion in the area and an uprising. And then Putin says, ah, you know what, I, I we, we can we can take care of this issue. Um, and we will you'll protect these people and these people will stay in Ukraine, but you're gonna protect them even though they're kind of our people. And so it was almost a shakedown to a degree if we're honest about what happened. Uh, and he also went along with um, you had, if I remember right, you had at the time a Russian or a Ukrainian president who was already sympathetic to Russia, who decided to uh, go along with this deal. So it looked shady to begin with. Um, it, it looked like Russia had essentially uh, installed Ukraine's president moved these people into Ukraine, said this is still going to be Ukrainian territory, but you got to protect the Russians. And by the way, we're not getting out of uh, Crimea. It's ours now. And the Ukrainian president, okay, he was thrown out of office the next year as a result of agreeing to this. Uh, and so now all of a sudden Russia say, well, the agreement no longer applies because you didn't take care of these people. And one of the reasons he says they didn't take care of these people is because a week ago, someone blew up a school in the region. Uh, interestingly enough, only the Russians obtained videotape of someone blowing that school up. Uh, so it all looks like it was all pretextual for this to happen anyway. Uh, that, that, so I, I don't think the mink, the mink protocol really amounted to anything other than a Russian shakedown. Uh, and, and then Putin turned around and used it as a pretextual agreement to try to get into uh, Ukraine. It was just the, the whole thing was seemed fishy to begin with the way he handled it. Speaking of, let me play you some audio here. This audio is from 2019. So 1920, what, three, four years, three years ago now. This is Joe Biden from three years ago. It's going to take a hell of a lot of work to make up for all the damage he's done internationally and nationally. His network of thugs and co-conspirators are going to continue to try to undermine our democracy in the meantime. Imagine what he can do in another year. Imagine what can happen in Ukraine. Make no mistake, this is a full-scale Russian invasion into Ukraine happening right now, and the air raid sirens going off in the Ukrainian capital as we speak. Yeah, imagine what Donald Trump can do, uh, what would happen in Ukraine if Donald Trump stayed president of the United States. Listen, we don't have to make it all about Trump, and, and I'm starting to get um, I'm starting to get a little bit frustrated with everything is, is but what about Trump? He's not the president of the United States right now. Joe Biden is. He's not the Speaker of the House. Nancy Pelosi is. He's not the leader of the Senate. Chuck Schumer is. 
He's not elected anywhere in the United States. I don't know why we need to obsess about Trump right now. This is all on Joe Biden. To the extent that people are trying to blame Donald Trump for it, it's to avoid having to deal with the fact that none of this happened when he was president of the United States, and people don't seem to care about that. Uh, it, it's a deeply frustrating thing you have to deal with right now where if you are a Republican or a conservative, somehow you have to answer for everything that Donald Trump says, but no Democrat ever have to, has to answer for AOC or or any member of the squad or the dumb things Kamala Harris says. It's all deeply frustrating, um, but it is to be expected. Now, back to the phones. Rodney, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking my call, Eric. Sure. So, lots of talk about the national and world stage and the Putins and the Bidens and the Trumps and all the corruption in politics. I want your view, Eric. I want your view on how to deal with corrupt, power-hungry politicians at a local city-county level. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Can I just say out of the gate, Rodney, uh, you know, I was on a city council, my one elected gig. Worst job in the world is Has being to on be. a city council. Has to be. Because, you know, I mean, people are stupid. And if you're in Washington, D.C., the stupid people are back home. But if you're on a city council, they're literally your next-door neighbor. Uh, yep. <laughs> and it's also, by the way, so local politics is far nastier than lo- than national politics and way the hell more corrupt. Uh, way more. And it's gotten more corrupt because nobody has local news stations anymore to cover the stuff. Um, you you got to you gotta try to get the media to try to be involved in a community uh, that's outside their general sphere of influence. Uh, I will tell you, it, it just generally, folks, just – in. Rodney, you, you can chime in here if you want, but I, I just I got to say my general experience in politics as a lawyer and being an elected official is pol- local politics is far nastier and far more corrupt. And local politics, local politics seem to be the local city council members do favors for their church members, for their neighborhood. Uh-huh. And they they have no regard for the total population of their city, town, or county. And and let's they're, be honest here, uh, if you're particularly if you're in a small town, uh, there's the uh, as you and I would say, the the father factor, but down here they'll say the daddy factor. Diddy, he be the sheriff, and I'm on the city council, yep. and I'm going to take care of Diddy and Diddy's friends. Um, yeah, that and Diddy and, and Diddy gets to be the mayor, and Diddy puts everybody in top tax paid positions for their local governments, and then he buys them off, and it just goes. And it's awful. It's oh, awful. It, it is. It, it absolutely is. And uh, it, it's just FBI indictments waiting to happen. Except they don't care because of small town America. I got to tell you, and a part of your question is how do you deal with it? I have struggled for years in politics with how to deal with it because you know a lot of people they don't care. Uh, what I have found, yep. however is that when you get really committed and you want to run for office in a local community, uh, people kind of go along to get along. You start knocking on doors and showing up and explaining the problem. People finally realize someone's involved. Occasionally, those guys actually do get elected if they survive the election. Now, being a, going in South Louisiana, they get fed to the alligator. They don't actually make it to election day, but around here, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's yeah, well. people don't understand how ruthless it is. People don't understand how many raises are given by buddies and friends and how many contracts are given to buddies and friends on a local level, but it still equals up to millions of dollars. Uh-huh. 
Yep. Uh, you, you know, while uh, you're saying that, Roddy, when I was on my city council, we had an issue. Uh, we were looking for ways to save money. And everybody said, look outside the box. We don't want to raise taxes. Well, we found that even like the paper supplies for toilet paper and stuff uh, that the, the city used, we could get a cheaper deal uh, by not using the local vendor, but by going with a national vendor. But the national vendor was a corporation with a lot of white people, and the local vendor was a, a self-employed black person who, as best any of us could figure, was going to Sam's Club and buying it all and then adding on some profit. But And, yep. you know, we had to stay with the local guy because otherwise it would have been a race issue. Yep. Nope. It just, it, so man, I'm, I'm glad you called it on this issue because I, I got a passion for this. I've got absolutely no idea how you fix the problem, but I love to talk about it because I got stories. I'm calling you again someday. <laughs> I really appreciate you taking my call. Yeah. I love your view and um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Rodney. I appreciate it. You know, I, I got to tell you guys, in all honesty, uh, so I worked on a uh, on a, so I was in a city council in, in Georgia, uh, Macon, Georgia. It was so the city itself had about ninety five thousand people. See, Jim, I'm looking at my clock because I'm going to start telling stories, and I'm going it's going to be like two oh five, and I won't have taken a commercial break. <laughs> so I was on the city council. See, it was the only it had, had two claims to fame for a city of about ninety five thousand ish people at the time. It had the second largest city council in the entire state of Georgia after Atlanta, which has hundreds of thousands of people. The Macon City Council had 15 members. Now, back in the 1980s, it was controlled by Republicans, but the demographics of the city of the of the of the city shifted. The Republicans decided to make it a um, make it a partisan race. So it was the only city council in the entire state of Georgia that had partisan elections. Every city council in the state of Georgia has nonpartisan elections. Now, you kind of know who the Democrats and Republicans are, but it's nonpartisan, except in Macon. And when the demographics changed and the city shifted to the Democrats, well, suddenly Republicans could only get elected in one of five wards. And they could only get elected in two of the three seats in that ward because the first seat in every ward was elected citywide. So I run – we had had this, this ridiculously bad mayor in the city. The whole city, black and white, was kind of united. Guy needed to go. I ran for office. My whole issue was shutting down the um, Asian-themed massage parlors in town that everybody knew were fronts for human trafficking and prostitution. That was the only issue I ran on. I even wrote in the newspaper at the time, hey, if anybody else wants to run – Run. I'm glad to drop out. Just couldn't find anybody to do that. Well, nobody wanted to run, so I got stuck doing it. But I was also a campaign. I ran campaigns, knew how to do them. So I started helping other members of the council, including a lot of the Democrats. And so I got the majority of the council members who got elected, I ran their races or helped them fundraise. And so I, being the youngest of two Republicans, the newest of two Republicans, I got chairman of the second most powerful committee on city council, the properties committee. I was in charge of the public golf course. I was in charge of the airports. I was in charge of the all of that stuff. I, it was it was fantastic. I hated the job. I actually didn't finish a full term because I got my job in radio and I couldn't be elected and have a job in radio at the same time. But the stuff that I saw, I will say this though. There was one issue on which I fundamentally changed my mind. There's a uh, lady on the council. Black lady named Elaine Lucas, she would refer to me as Eric KKK Erickson. She really would. 
really would. Her house burns down. My wife takes them food, and she tells people that I got a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Hitler baby. She literally said that. Made my what my wife holds grudges. She holds them for both of us. But uh, she was very convinced uh, that we needed to support an after-school project called the Booker T. Washington Center. It was an after-school area in a, a poor neighborhood where there's a lot of crime. And I was like, you know, no, uh, why are we giving money to this place? We, we're, we're on the verge of having to raise taxes. We should cut out all the money. And she got the local police chief to come show me that when that place was closed, there was a direct correlation to the point it was causation. When that place was closed, crime went up in those neighborhoods. And when you had the kids there with their tutors doing their homework after school, crime was down. And, I mean, it was – they had the stats. I mean, I realized there are lies, damn lies, statistics. They had the data. They showed it. I talked to the police officers. They all said the same thing, that they call. And if there's a day when Booker T. Washington Center has to be closed, they had to send more police into that area because they knew there would be more crime. There would be break-ins. There would be car break-ins in particular, but home break-ins. And I changed my mind. It's like, yeah, it actually will save the city money to fund this program. Um, it, the things you learn at the local level, my gosh, politics in local communities can be so corrupt. You, you got to clean the air in local communities. Speaking of, don't you like that transition? We need to talk about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You buy the three-pack right now, you get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You save $200. You get all three of them for less than $200, and you get free shipping at EdenPureDeals.com. That's the website. Eden, like the Garden of Eden, pure is the driven snow. EdenPureDeals.com. And you'll see a code box, and it says, what's your code? And you put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. That'll direct you to the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. At checkout, you'll see a discount code box. Put in ERIC3 there. You get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms. For less than $200, you save $200, you get them for free shipping. You don't have to get a filter for this air filter, uh, for the air purifier. You wipe it out on occasion. It does great. It cleans the air. It doesn't mask the odors. It eliminates odors. Gets rid of the mildew, the bacteria, the mold, all that stuff. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. Yes, you can. If you're in Georgia, text the word ACTION to 55444. And you'll get back a link to the action portal where you can call your state representative, tell him or her to support school choice in Georgia, and tell the speaker bring it to a vote. If they say, well, we don't have the votes or we can't do that, tell them you're a voter, you're a constituent, you demand it, or else we can primary them. Put them on the line now and then primary them. Find challengers to them. The time is right to beat these guys if they won't support school choice. Got to make it happen. They got new district lines. Remember, they're all running in new districts with new lines. There will be contests. We can fight them. So fight them. Uh, tell them to vote this time around. Text action to three three. Or I'm sorry. Text action to five five four four four. Now, importantly, as well, a different word and different number. Show the word show to three three seven seven seven. You'll get the twenty four seven live stream link. You'll get the show podcast to Google's Spotify, Stitcher, Apple podcast, and you'll get the link to my daily email that you should all be subscribing to anyway. Uh, those are the important numbers you need to text. Now, when we come back, I will take your phone calls, but also 
I'm man. I, I hadn't even gotten to the topic I was going to get to this hour. I was enjoying the phone call with Rodney uh, and telling stories about city councils. But can we talk about virtue signaling when we come back, please? Now, listen. Um, Houston, Texas, or I'm sorry, it wasn't Houston, Dallas, Texas. God bless Dallas, Texas. Last night, the entire skyline of Dallas, Texas, was lit up in yellow and blue, the colors of the Ukrainian flag. Every downtown part of the Dallas skyline was lit up to look like the Ukrainian flag. God bless them. But the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin was lit up also to look like it by the German government. But it is the German government that is blocking the swift sanctions on Russia. In fact, I'm told that uh, Biden can impose the swift sanctions even if Germany objects, and yet he's refusing because Germany objects. And I'm also told there are even stiffer sanctions. They can go after the central bank in Russia, and they're refusing to do that. And yet they have the audacity to pretend to be in solidarity with the Ukrainian people. This is becoming a thing in our world, and I just I, – I, I'm going to unload without profanity my soul – on this particular topic when we come back. I will take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. And as always, you can get the podcast, the live stream, and the email by texting SHOW to 33444. It is Eric Erickson here nationwide from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia. When we come back, virtue signaling as a substitute for doing anything. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.